0: G'day Giles here. Just a quick note on this episode. We apologise in advance for the audio quality throughout. Uh, Don and I both had family members that were up and about at the time. Uh, It's not usual, but it happened unfortunately this episode... And uh, we tried to edit out any of the noise that we could, but unfortunately some of that occurred while Don and I were talking and we couldn't edit it out. So apologies in advance for that. In any case, we hope you uh, enjoy the episode nonetheless.
1: This is Games in Schools and Libraries.
0: The podcast about board, card, and digital games and the ways in which they can find a place in schools or at the local library.
1: Hosting provided by the Games
0: for Educators website www.g4ed.com. Welcome to the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. My name is Giles Pritchard. I'm a teacher at St George's Road Primary School in Shepparton, Australia. I use games in my 3-4 classroom as well as for our games club, our games days and for many other purposes. You can also find me on my blog at castlebymoonlight.blogspot.com or on Twitter as Caradoc P.
1: And I'm Donald Dennis. You can find me at uh, the Georgetown County Library System in Georgetown County, South Carolina, where I'm the young adult uh, technology and games librarian, which means I provide both games and technology programming for uh, the patrons of the library system. And I'm also the producer of the On Board Games podcast, which you can find at onboardgames.net. Magnificent podcast, Don. Oh, no, you're just saying that because you used to be one of our stars, and then you got too <laughs> too good for us and had to start your own show.
0: Uh, that's right. Uh, it's, uh, it's I'm the angel to your Buffy. <laughs>
1: um, I don't know how I feel about that, but
0: um, yeah.
1: I guess I am well on the way to becoming buff. Yay.
0: <laughs> no. Absolutely. And speaking of which, how are you feeling?
1: I'm feeling very good, very good. Just uh, recovering from uh, some minor surgery, and uh, you know, none of that has pain. It's it's all in my back now. So it's like, get up, go move around, walk around, and stretch things out. And so that's I it. think that's a good sign. It's good for your back.
0: Start the bench presses. Oh,
1: no. If I did that <laughs> now, I think I, every stitch in my body would explode. But um, yeah. anyway, we you don't need to bother our listeners with that. I think we should probably... Talk about gaming activities of some sort. That's what we're here about, right?
0: Absolutely. Schools and libraries and gaming all combined. So this episode, we thought we'd talk about some different events that we have run. This is particularly pertinent at the moment at St. George's Road, this very week, in fact. uh, The Thursday and Friday, we're recording on a Monday. This Thursday and Friday, I have got uh, some games days coming up. And this will be for the uh, students of the school and also an attached preschool to our school. So these are kids from the ages of about four years old uh, and it will be available all the way up to about grade four Um, and that's because the grade fives and sixes are busy doing something else at that particular time. So this will be for uh, about ages 4 through to about age 10 at our school, so from preschool to grade 4, and that probably is around 300-plus students and any families that decide to come along. So very exciting. Um, we run two of these games days a year and have done for several years now, and, uh, yeah, should be a fantastic couple of days.
1: That is quite the age range to have to do programming for.
0: Yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. But luckily, we have um, the resources, and I'm talking particularly about the people resources, um, to be able to manage it and I can tell you uh, that the younger ages work really, really, really well uh, <laughs> and it increases in difficulty as the children um, are, are more and more desirous of independence. So <laughs> as the kids come in wanting more independence it becomes uh, ever so slightly more chaotic as the day progresses.
1: Huh, Okay. Well, um, excellent. Um, I don't have anything coming up specifically because I've been on a little bit of a leave of absence, but uh, I'll talk about uh, some of the events that we've run in the past. Uh, But let's go ahead and let's get in and talk about uh, how do you plan for such an event? And well, first of all, before you even get to there, why would you do this? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, a couple of reasons, um, Don. First of all, our school um, has invested over the last couple of years in our games collection, our games program, and this has had this has had a sort of a couple of, of different purposes. Um, one of those purposes has been connecting with the broader community. So it's not just about the kids at the school. Uh, certainly, well, I'll get to that. But it's also about um, inviting, you know, broader members of the community—the kids, their families, their broader families, and, and family friends, etc.—to come into the school and to participate in social activities. So it's really about that whole community building and being the the, the school being the centre of the community, which um, we we feel is something that's really worth working on and really worth impro- uh, You know, really worth uh, sorry encouraging is is probably the best way to put it. So that's something that we really value and and a core component of why we are doing this program. Another reason is because of something I mentioned before. We have a fantastic group of uh, human resources that help run the day. These aren't uh, adults that come in who are experts on games. They're not other teachers uh, from the other classes who um, put their hands up and uh, step into the brink and and do that. These are kids from the school. So we run a thing called the Games Ambassador Program, and this really is all about building leadership. So these kids uh, acting as the Games Ambassadors will be the ones to really run the day on on the ground. They'll be the ones teaching the games. They'll be the ones making the decisions about which games get played and where. Um, and and they basically make sure that the day runs smoothly, and I might add, of done a fantastic job over the last uh, three, four years that we've been running these sort of events. So that that whole aspect to do with student leadership and, and um, building that, that capacity for the students to be role models, to be teachers, to be leaders um, is a really Im- important and fundamental aspect of, of our program. And lastly, the, the third thing, uh, and just as importantly, it's an opportunity for all of the kids in the school, um, for the kids at the attached preschool, and for their broader families to come in and and just have a bit of fun so those really are the three key reasons why we run these days and and we've had a blast doing it in the past so we'll continue as long as it's enjoyable (laughs) wow
1: and that's games in schools and libraries thank you very much no okay Uh, (laughs) uh, so you've done this in the past though this is not sort of a first time extravaganza for you um. No, this is,
0: this is something that we've built on over the years. And I can really say um, it, now with the benefit of hindsight, you know, four years down the track, I think it is that we've been running these, that it does get easier um, and that, that it is culture building. And um, at the moment, our school has a, has a really strong culture. They know that they're, that we run these Games Days. We run two of them every year or two of these events every year. They usually run over two days each. Um, And they understand that the Games Ambassadors um, will have that leadership role. The families understand that they're welcome to come in so it really is becoming a part of the culture of the school, and, and that has, has really helped. Um, at the start, it was it was a lot more hard work than it is at the moment, and the kids do, do such a fantastic job in making it a really enjoyable and smooth sort of event to run now. So
1: Right. Now, um, on a much smaller, smaller scale is over the course of our summertime when everybody was out of school, every other week I'd go into the kids' area on... Uh, I guess it was on a Thursday, and we'd run game night, or actually uh, game afternoon. So for two, two and a half hours, we'd go in there and we'd play games with younger kids. And the first two or three times that we did this over the summer, it was a very painful experience because you had all of these kids wanting all of the attention and not knowing how to play any of the games. But you know, by the time we got to the third episode, or the third time that we were doing this, Rather, the, uh, a lot of the children started to know the games and they would uh, take on the uh, responsibility for teaching, which, you know, they almost would never get the rules right. But they got the rules right enough that they could all enjoy playing. Um, and uh, that, that so that as it happens and as it keeps going, it does get easier, like you're saying, I guess is what I'm trying to agree yeah. with you.
0: So, Don, when you were going in um, to to run these programs, what what was the what was the modus operandi? What were you going in, you know, to, to promote or to do, or was it was it to build community? What was the what was the goal in mind there? And Why uh, games?
1: My my goal was that we had a, a children's summer reading program, and that the uh, children's services librarian came to me and said, "Hey, uh, would you?" come and run some games for us and so instead of necessarily using games that were in the library collection i brought a bunch of my games that i played with my son uh, you know years ago uh, that i still hadn't gotten rid of and you know a few games that we had at the library and took them into into the game room and you know as near as i can tell it was just to uh, to Provide a community space for the kids to come and do stuff, and uh, you know, I wasn't given an agenda, so I don't know exactly what it was. I think it was really just to support the summer reading program and and keep the kids excited about coming back to the library.
0: Fantastic how how did um, How did that go? Were the kids uh, really excited to be taking part in that program?
1: Uh, Yes, yeah. When when I started doing this, uh, the older kids would come from the game room because I'd have to close the video game portion. And they would sort of help, you know, run some of the games. And they were like, oh, "Would you hurry up and get this over with, so that we can go and play, uh, you know, play about play our video games again?" And then by the end of the summer, uh, there was much less clock watching, as they were finding games that they liked to play as well, and that they were getting involved in playing. And the the younger kids, uh, who didn't necessarily, they weren't of the right age to go into the video game area the that we were running um you know they were all getting into it a lot more too so it started off with sort of a bit of hesitation or even a bit of irritation on some of the the older kids parts and by the end of the summer it was all right this is cool we don't necessarily want to do this every day but we're happy to participate and do stuff you know um on a on a fairly frequent basis
0: so you sort of talked about you bringing in some games um, from home that were family favorites. This probably is a key, key aspect of, of having a successful um, event is, is making sure that you've got the right games for the right age groups, etc. Um, how did you go with that side of things?
1: Oh, well, I tried to pick games that would play, you know, five or more players if I could find them and games that were pretty fast to teach. You know, and uh, that wasn't always the case that I could, couldn't do it, but I brought, for example, dancing eggs, which, you know, you can have as many kids crammed around the table as are willing to do. Uh, You know, it may say five or six, four or five players on the box, but if more kids wanted to play, they could still, they could still play. Uh, Because the fun of that is the scrambling for the eggs or the running around the table or whatever's happening, not necessarily accomplishing a game objective.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, that was really it is I went for light stuff that had one or two ideas that were easy to get grasp onto and play. But surprisingly, one of the big favorites was zombie dice was, was fun. Uh, and, and and people like that. That's a Steve Jackson's games and combo King from game, right? Uh, one of the kids really liked it. And so he basically set up his own Vegas style table where he was running combo King, Uh, Which is, it's a Yahtzee style of game, except for there's cards and poker chips involved as well. And, uh, you know, had a lot of fun with that. So, after the first week, what I really tried to do was say, oh, here's one that I think I know I have somebody who really likes it. And then I would add in others on top of that. And so, as time went on, I had more and more favorites I knew to bring, as well as... Here are some other ones that I could throw on. And, of course, I tried to pick all games that you could play in under half an hour.
0: Yep. Well, for us, I I suppose it's a little bit different because we've got um, uh, quite a large number of kids coming through over the course of two days. But because we're a school, we have the advantage that the children are already broken up into age groups, their classes. So that makes things a little bit easier. So what we do in advance is make sure that there's a timetable um, I make sure that the classes are given allotted times. They come through in groups. So we might have a couple of the Grade 1, 2 classes come in, then a couple of the 3, 4s, then the 5, 6s, et cetera. Over the course of the, the two days, we deal with all of the kids in the school. Um, and as, as we have, because we have that system, we have, a, we have a large space, our school hall, or in the case of the games days coming up, we've got uh, some of the, the, the larger classrooms. And I take all of the games, basically, that I think are suitable out of our games cupboards over to that space. We have a whole bunch of tables and spaces around uh, around that area already set up. And uh, the games ambassadors and myself take games out that we believe will be suitable for those particular age groups. So we know, for example, that the Grade 1s and 2s are coming in in the morning. So we go and select games um, from the stockpiles that are suitable for that age group, those are pre-set up on tables ready to go. So there's a whole bunch of games out on tables and and on on the floor in spaces on the floor that are ready to roll. People just have to go and sit down at the chairs, they're ready to play. And uh, in that way, when the kids come into the room, the classes come into the room ready to play, I'll sit them down at the front of the room, I'll have a chat to them about are uh, the rules and regulations you know you make sure you respect each other, the idea is to have fun don 't chew on the pieces all that sort of stuff
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and then send them off to the different tables in their small groups. And, and in that way, we sort of manage that whole game aspect a little bit easier. But, but our school's had a couple of years of building up a game collection. Uh, we've had a budget to do so. And we've really tried to make sure that the games collection we have is suitable for the age range of the school. So it really supports that style of structure for the game stone.
1: Well, you were talking about building up your collection. We also had a local store, uh, the Freckled Frog here in Pauly's Island, that uh, donated some games for a few of these Games Days. And some of them were games that were perfect for the younger kids. And a couple of them I brought because I noticed that we had some parents that were sort of standing around. And so what we did is I would drag them into like a game of Telestration's. Uh, while the kids were all playing. I said, all right, well, you guys are here. You're playing. Come on over here and play. And so they would play like Timeline or Telestrations or or some games that might also be appropriate for kids and and some that weren't. So, you know, like you're saying, you're trying to get parents and, and stuff to play, play in your group. You mm-hmm. know, I, I managed to do that a couple of times, but then strangely they stopped showing up. So they seemed to have fun when they were doing it, but the idea that they were expected to engage in gameplay uh, was kind of alien to them, and uh, so I guess it didn't really, didn't really excite them. Even though they seemed to have a lot of fun when they were doing it, they they figured that oh well, these games aren't bad games, so we don't have to oversee our children playing them every every week.
0: <laughs> I suppose it might have been different expectations as well. We have um, we have we have you know, quite a few parents turn up. Um, some of them go and join in with the games, some of them just go around with their particular child, their son or their daughter, and and watch them play the different games and get uh, that sort of, I suppose, uh, voyeuristic enjoyment that way. Um, But, yeah, you know, either way, you know, it's it's just about really engaging, you know, the kids and the community with, with games, so... Yeah, that, that's interesting. So, Don, what, what um what are the what are the risks involved here? What what how do you and, and what do you do to minimise those risks? And I'm thinking particularly about damage to pieces or loss of pieces or, um, you know, the pocketing of pieces that look particularly nice or whatever it might be. Um, how how do you go about minimising those risks and what are they?
1: okay uh, before I answer that I want I want to go into a little bit more about the kinds of games that I brought in I forgot mm-hmm. that, that the games that seem to have met with the most um, appreciation with the kids were the ones that broke the rules of the library and by that I mean games like uh, shake and take uh, which is there's an you have aliens and there's a die that you're rolling and slamming on the table and people are circular circular um, Circling aliens and stuff uh, And so it's kind of a loud game With this dice in the roller Or the game Pit Where people are shouting out One, one, two, two, three, three Or however many things that they're trying to say So if they're games that involve loudness Which you're not really normally allowed to do In the library The kids mm-hmm. seem to get this uh, Like, hey, I get to break a rule And it's okay It's part of the rules of this game mentality <laughs> And since we were in the auditorium and it was so you know away from the serious readers or whatever that uh, that it, it met with a lot of approval with the kids and maybe it's just because kids like to be loud, but um, I also think that part of it was they know that they're in the library and they're not supposed to be loud, but here we have a game that lets them be loud. Uh, so, but you asked about uh, a piece loss and, and damage to games and stuff. I actually found that by and large the worst damage that we had was kids holding cards um, yeah. and it's you know playing a game like pit uh, where you know all the components are cards and then one bell which gets banged at the beginning and the end of the game that you know you're going to get some mutilation on the cards and it's gonna be a little bit of folding or a little bit of oh look I've grasped it with my sticky hand or whatever and cards are tough to clean without damaging the cards even further and um, and really, all I can say is I just remind them here's how you're supposed to hold cards do not bend or fold the cards and do not chew on the cards uh, you know <laughs> most most of the other pieces is you know I haven't seen any of even though they have dice that look like great big Jolly ranchers or whatever it is those don't aren't going into people's mouths and uh, to my knowledge we haven't had any other game pieces just outright stolen. Uh, that uh, that that hasn't been an issue but i think part of that is because you know the group that we have is fairly small it's between you know eight and 20 kids in the room at a time and you know that's enough that no one's alone at any given point with these pieces so you know they're not going to be stealing stuff from the thing but you know it's and and it's you know, small enough group that, that everybody, it feels like you're part of a community. So it's yeah. not like anybody's a stranger or on the outside. And they know that they're going to get to come back and play with these games next week. In fact, we've even loaned a couple of the games out to uh, to some of the parents who are regular, you know, attendees at the library and who check out books that uh, we've even loaned out a couple of games. So it's not been, not been a huge issue.
0: Yeah, it's about probably the same um, sort of thing for us as well. Um, because of the structure of our games days, we have the games already set up at the tables. We've got the games ambassadors there, um, and the games ambassadors uh, not overly officious, but they they do take their jobs, I suppose, semi-serious, you know, seriously enough. Um, and and because also we've had a couple of years of it, we've we've built that culture I think to some extent at the school um, I'd like to say that that you know the kids really love coming along and and um that they, you know, respect the the opportunity to come along. Um, I'm not going to be naive enough to say that applies in all cases, but I certainly think that it applies in in a in an awful lot of cases, um, and so that really does minimise the amount of pieces that might go wandering in in pockets or might get damaged through carelessness or whatever else. Um, the kids understand that that these games are in the school and that are um, that they are there. That will they that will have the opportunity to use them again if they look after them, and and so far we've been running it for four years. We haven't really had any significant losses losses or significant damage to any games.
1: Now th- there are some issues where it's going to be more of a likelihood that it's going to be intentional theft than in others. So, for example, if you played, but uh, is it fantasy flights game Rattlesnake, where it has these really cool magnets in them, that uh, that are pieces now. That game, however, comes with a box that all the pieces have their own exact space, so you can tell at the end of the game when it's being put away if all the pieces are there. So if you can purchase games, you know uh, that and Jamaica and um, Niagara and a bunch Mm -hmm. of other games, you can look at the game, you know, open open up the game box, take the rules out of the way, and maybe move the board, but you get to see. Based on how the whole game is, uh, you know, all the pieces are in there, if all the pieces are still in the game. And <laughs> if you are worrying about loss, losses in your game or pieces disappearing, then that is an excellent kind of game to purchase. Ones where the the box insert says, oh, and here's a place for the ring and here's a place for all of these pawns and here's a place for yep. the cards um, then that's something that you can take into account when purchasing games. But not all games have those kinds of inserts. Um, but on the other hand, if you're can- handy with a craft box, you know, in a knife or craft knife, and you've got some cereal boxes, then you can make those kinds of inserts for just about any game.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think it's being being wary of the sort of games you've got. Like we had, I, I did have issues with uh, one game that was um, the deluxe version of Wings of War, which is a World War One fighter aircraft um, dogfighting style of game that um, comes with these very nice little uh, sculpted models of Sopwith camels and um, Fokker DR1s, etc. And so those did happen to go walk about at one point, not on one of our games days but a separate um, separate event. Uh, they did go walk about in a child's pocket and I might have had suffer suffer some considerable damage in the process but um, those sort of games do attract that sort of attention. Um, the other, the other issue, I suppose, um, are those games with pieces that that take a fair bit of wear. And you talked about cards before, Don. Um, I'm thinking particularly we've got a couple of ga- a couple of copies of a game called Galley, which is uh, published by Rio Grande Games. Now this is a sort of a snap game where players are flipping over fruit cards. If there's ever exactly five of a fruit out showing, so five bananas or five straws. Or whatever, you uh, slam the bell in the middle of the table, and if you're the first to ring the bell, you collect all the cards. The object being that you want to collect all of the cards. Um, obviously, in this style of game, the bell is going to take a fair bit of punishment, and uh, the bells in all of our copies of Halley Galley have been absolutely totaled. So, uh, those bells have been completely destroyed. The cards are fairly worn. But one of the ways that you can mitigate it is by thinking, what else can you use that, that's not as easily destructible and that will will function in the same way? So, for example, in Halley Galley, instead of ringing a bell, I got some plastic fruit. Uh, suits the theme of the game. And you sit the plastic apple or whatever it might happen to be in the middle of the table. And instead of it's the first person to ring the bell. It's now, it's the first person to grab the plastic apple and uh, the plastic apple is a lot harder to destroy than the, than the bell has been and has lasted a lot longer. It's also a lot cheaper to replace. So that's <laughs> yeah. uh, one way that you can mitigate it as well.
1: Well, and that's clever. I was thinking that all you really have to do is you could print out a bell on a piece of paper and put it there. And the first person to slap that picture would, would be the one to get, you know, to get the effect. But yeah using a 3 d object like that uh, it certainly adds a little more flavor or excitement to the game, I'm sure than oh look, there's a picture we have to smack so
0: <laughs> and the the added benefit of the old plastic fruit is that it reduces the noise pollution aspect considerably, so well worth considering in my view. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, that's cool. I think that that's a, a good overview for, uh, for games days. How far in advance do you start advertising these? I mean, is it on these uh, calendars at the beginning of the school year? Or is it something that you say a month ahead of time? Oh, I think it's about time that we start to do this.
0: No, it is it is fairly in advance. We have them fairly well planned out um, at the beginning. Of, from from a from a planning point of view, I'll know when um, 2013's game days will be come the end of two thousand twelve. Um, but in terms of on the on the calendars for families etc., um, that information will be available um, straight from the start of the year, or it'll also come out every every um, bulletin. There'll be the calendar. There with with the games day on it. Um, in the two weeks preceding it, we send um, you know these coloured flyers home, inviting families up to the school. Um, you know, the St George's Road Board Games Day, etc. all over at the dates, the times, the locations. We also have um, the timetables, so showing which classes are going in when, and that's really so that families can tie their visit to the school with when their particular children are going through the Games Day. Um, so, yeah, there, there, there's a little bit of planning, I suppose, in the advertising, but, but you know, not, not an awful lot. It's It's pretty easy to roll out. What about for your uh, library events, Don? Uh, well, for
1: those events, I'd, I had nothing to do with it, so I have no idea. The ones that I've been previously talking <laughs> about. Uh, it was, that was more of a, hey, we have the space, we have the kids, we need you to come and fill this space with activities. So yep. that is ideal for me. It's like, oh, I'm going to show up and I'm going to entertain people and I'm going to walk away, which me, you know, puts me in a troubleshooting mode instead of a planning mode, which is, is you know, some, sometimes that's kind of fun. Now, on the other hand, we did something called uh, a couple of summers back. Uh, it was a disaster game night. And this was, well, it was supposed to be once a month, but it ended up being every Thursday night over the course of the summer where uh, we had the kids come in, and there was this game called Stop Disasters, which is online. I think you can go to Stop Disaster Game, or Stop Disasters Games online. Um, and you basically you take the position of a city manager, and depending on whichever disaster we picked for that particular night, uh, everybody was going to have to fight like uh, wildfires on easy, or prepare a uh, a village for tsunamis on hard or hurricanes or whatever it is. There was a whole bunch of different disasters. And so uh, the lady who was in charge of it, she'd bring prizes that were, you know, uh, either dollar store, you know, bric-a-brac or, uh, you know, a bag full of Hershey's chocolate and give out little morsels to people as they complete. And uh, everybody was competing to get the high score to figure out who best defended their township uh, you know, for whatever their budget was. And um, that was pretty exciting because the kids, as they play this, uh, if they did a good enough job at the end, or well, at the end, they saw newspaper reports that kind of said, oh no, 75 people died in this town of 80 people. You sucked at your job. Sorry. Um, you know, there's an inquisition happening. Or, congratulations, only one person died. And, Uh, you know, the fish, the fishing fleet was saved. And, you know, the town was basically saved from this tsunami. Great job, blah, blah, blah. And then they would get to enter their information and they could print out a certificate that said, congratulations, you did a great job. And so this was a very exciting thing. And we had kids as young as seven or eight participating and playing. And they would figure out special controls or commands and then we had adults who were you know 25 uh, up to the age 25 who were playing and uh you know they would be at, you know looking over at the kids screen seeing what they're doing and uh, the kids would look at the, everyone and so it wasn't really a hidden you know screen peeking was okay because you each had your own situation that you were dealing with but um it was a lot of fun and it built up this sense of competition and that was something that we advertised in the newspapers. It was something that we posted online. We put flyers up around the library. Uh, we tried to get it out in various newsletters. And for something like that, we had a huge advertising push that we mm-hmm. talked about. Uh, one of the things is we had a, a disaster or a hurricane awareness party. Uh, and so we would, uh, you know, we handed out flyers at that. And there were probably four or 500 people who showed up to this party. We showed them there how the game would be played and stuff like that. So that was a that was a lot of fun. And then the next summer we did it every like every other week, and uh, you know we still had people come up and say, "Hey, when are you guys going to do this?" And we're like, "Sorry, that grant's over, uh, but we may go ahead and do it again anyway, just because uh, people enjoyed you know saving a township."
0: Woo-hoo. <laughs> so how did you go managing all the hardware for, for that event, Don?
1: Oh, well, this was wonderful. It was uh, You play it online, and we had a bunch of computers in the game room. So, um, and these were set up so that kids could do like video game editing or uh, you know, audio or video editing as well. And so we just went online to the website, and we played it there. And it's free. Uh, there's no charge for it. And uh, it was a great game. In fact, my boss, uh, uh, Dwight McInville at the library system, he, uh, he's the one who introduced us to the game. And, you know, we, after he found out about it and told us about it, it seemed like every time we went back to his office, he was playing the game as well for about a week. That uh, he, kind <laughs> of, he, he found his first video game addiction, and it was a, you know Stop Disasters game. So that was kind of fun.
0: You know you're on a win when that's happening.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, and we also have board games to support it. Like there was uh, the game Ablaze by Mayfair, which had three games in it. And, you know, a few other games that had to do with ecological disasters or whatever. And we even had a game design project around that that I'll talk about at a, in a future time. So.
0: Oh, that sounds fantastic. So is there anything more we need to talk about in terms of games days or library events, Don, that we haven't covered already?
1: Um, I think that, you know, starting from the beginning is, uh, you know, just to sum up, Mm -hmm. uh, plan it out as far in advance as you can. Uh, Plan your marketing as well as you can and get that information out to people because if people don't know about it, it's not happening. All right? You know, it might as well not exist.
0: Yeah, be aware of the games that uh, that you've got and that the audience that you're trying to reach with them and uh, make uh, sensible choices in terms of the games that you try and acquire for the the games day or the games event that you're trying to run and uh, keep that purpose in mind.
1: Right. Um, and that's it. That's, I think, the, the big thing is... And uh, don't... Oh, the other thing is, is if you've got games that... Uh, have like a variety of level of difficulties, or or games that have that scale to you know you can do it large, large to small. So say uh, a miniatures game uh, like a uh, HeroScape is a very very popular one. Don't put the largest scenario where you've got twelve thousand pieces
0: <laughs>
1: and it's taking up fifteen tables, and you know you're you're trying to do all that. Unless you're just trying to showcase this game. If you've got the extra space where you know nobody's going to be playing this all the way through, then, then that's fine. But but by and large, if you're trying to introduce people to games at these games days, uh, you know, pick the smaller, the faster, the eye-catching ones, uh, the ones that yeah. seem to have activity, the ones where the kids are going to stand up around the table, where they're going to have trouble keeping their tails in the seat, then those are going to be the games that uh, they get the attention of even kids who aren't real excited about playing games so you know maybe they don't all need to be like that but you need to have some games like that to get um, what, what was it you said that uh, some of the people weren't all might not be excited about showing up to this well you need something that gets even those kids excited about being there
0: yeah and I think the the other thing is that um, you know, don't underestimate the capability of uh, young kids. This is from a teacher's point of view, particularly of um, being able um, to act in the role of a teacher or a mentor or a instructor in a game. Uh, it can be a really empowering experience for those kids and and if they're supported well, it can be um, a, a really rich experience for all involved. I, I've just had such a huge amount of admiration and a huge amount of excitement over um the success of our games ambassador program at our school and um yeah it's been something that that we've absolutely absolutely relished and loved about our particular games program and um if you have any success like that in in your particular school or institution then uh, do absolute do your best to encourage it because it's a fantastic thing
1: in fact, uh, share these uh, successes, or if you have problems, come and talk to us at our guild on Board Game Geek or at our forums at the Games for Educators website, and uh, you know we'll be happy to talk to you. And if you have questions, uh, Giles and I have both had a lot of experience putting together game events. That uh, I'm sure there's stuff we forgot to talk about here. So. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, and you can always contact us at, and at gmail.com. all words and all lowercase.
1: Well, Giles, thank you very much for having me on the show again.
0: No, thank you for uh, everything Don. You've been magnificent, as always. Woo-hoo! <laughs> all right, until next time, this is Giles Pritchard. And Donald Dennis. With Games in Schools and Libraries. Games in Schools and Libraries is kindly hosted by the Games for Educators website. You can find them at www.g4ed.com. You can subscribe to their newsletter, check out games through their game finder, and of course, it's the home of the Games in Schools and Libraries podcast. Drop by and post comments on the episodes. We love feedback. Games in Schools and Libraries is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. If you a copy of this license, visit our webpage at the Games for Educators website.